Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for each person that's here, Lord. You have drawn them here. You have drawn me here, Lord. We are here to celebrate you. So as we open your word, Lord, may it touch our lives. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're talking about the rich and foolish today. I know what some of y'all are thinking. Well, preacher, I ain't rich, so I'm just going to tune out. All right? (laughs) But I guarantee you, as you look at this passage, all of us are rich in certain ways. And the thing is, is that true contentment, you know, being satisfied, true contentment and eternal value cannot be achieved by accumulating as many riches and wealth as possible. You see... While we are living, it may bring enjoyment here temporarily. But as a child, I remember having my favorite toy until it broke. Or maybe if you ever uh, got a toy and you realized when you opened it up, it included it, batteries were not included. And so you had to wait till your mom and dad went to the store to go get batteries. Everything is not always as it seems. So while you and I are here, let's make the most of our time and our resources instead of being foolish with it. In our key verses in verse 21, it says, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So it's very easy to get caught up into a daily grind, isn't it? Right now, I mean, praise God, you are here on Sunday, and I pray that the Lord speaks to you, and all of us are just waiting on Monday. We got our things we got to do on Monday, and then we got our things we got to do on Tuesday. Then, you know, we got to have a hair appointment on Wednesday, and then, and all of these other things that, that are just a, a common occurrence for us is that we kind of get in a routine, maybe a football practice, maybe a, a extra work session, or whatever it may be. But the thing is, is that, you know, whether we go to bed on Sunday night and hopefully wake up the next morning to, to begin the new routine, the routine will look different for everybody in here. But the core truth is the same. You have to get up and you have to make a living, right? I mean, you have to, you have to be able to eat. You have to provide. And so here's the thing. Is it enough to make a living or would you rather make a life worth living? Think about that. Would you rather make a living or make a life worth living? And that's what Jesus is telling us today. Somewhere in the middle of the organized chaos we call our life, We'll try to keep a sense of control and understanding and fulfillment. Well, the truth is, is that life is all about one word that Jesus is talking about in this passage. One word, and I'm going to say it to you, and you can repeat it back to me. Balance. Can you say balance? Good. I knew you could. Yes. I feel like we're back in kindergarten again. But yes, the word balance is what Jesus is talking about in this passage. And the thing is, is that the balance we have to make between worldly things, because we got to eat, right? I mean, really, we got to eat. Shame on y'all for laughing. But yeah, we got to eat. We got to pay the bills. But also, we are here to worship, and also there is a sense of the eternal that we have to invest in as well. And so, worldly things, you know, when, when you hear a preacher say, Be, beware of the things of the world, there are bad things that we have to steer clear from, right? Hey, all right, there we go. 
<laughs> Awkward pause. But yes, there are things that we need to steer away from, but also there are worldly things that are important. Again, like food for our bellies and shelter for our families and clothes for our body. Those are basic necessities of the world that we do need. But at the same time, your soul needs Jesus. I need Jesus every day, every hour I need thee. So the thing is, is for eternal life, we need, we need balance, but also for daily life. And so the great feat is finding balance between the two. And here's the myth that is on the screen for you. The myth is that we can have everything the world offers and everything that Jesus offers for eternal life, and we can just keep them in balance just perfectly. That is a myth. That is not true. There is always something, always, even good things, seeking for the throne of your heart to become your God. That's why in the Old Testament, in the Ten Commandments, God says there will be no other gods except for me. There is always something trying to take your attention. Even right now as I'm preaching, some of you are probably thinking about where you're going to go eat and hope that I hurry up so you won't get to the back of the line. That's okay. But the thing is, is that there is never true balance between worldly things and eternal things. One is always going to win over the other. But here's the truth. Both are at war with each other because of their focus. Worldly things, the focus is on ourselves. But eternal things, the focus is on God. And there are many things in this world that try to take our focus off of doing what is right. And more often than not, the worldly things will try to seek to pull us away from godly things. Understand, the war is real. The fights and the desires of our pleasure and and everything within us that seeks to to satisfy ourselves. The Bible says that, that above all things, our hearts are deceitful and wicked. But we have to please God at the same time. So is that even possible? James 4, 4 puts it this way. Let me show you this on the screen. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, I love my wife with all of my heart. And if she decided she was going to have a new male best friend and spend all of her time with the new male best friend, I'd get kind of upset about that. Right? Or if I decided, hey, honey, I love you, but I got this, this girl that I'm hanging out with. We're just friends. We're just talking. That's, that's just friends. How's that going to go over in the Strickland household? I'm still talking, so it's not the case, right? When he says, you adulterers, remember, we are the bride of Christ. And when we put anything above Christ, we're stepping out on him. So when he says you adulterers, he's saying you're cheating on God with worldly things. And when you do that, instead of being a friend of God, you become their enemy. I had a friend tell me the other day that uh, uh, their their family member was um, really going to support and, and get behind us and uh, this friend's wife is, is a really strong-willed woman. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I'm on the right side and not the wrong side of that. 
Because you know people like that. There are some people you just don't want to get on their bad side. But today, Jesus is targeting in our parable. He's targeting our priorities. What is important to us will be seen in how we spend our money and what our priorities are. For example, a group of friends were deer hunting and they paired off into twos for the day. That night, one of the hunters returned alone, staggering under an eight-point buck. I mean, he's just, you know, just barely getting it out of the woods. Where's Harry? All of his friends asked. He said, Harry had a stroke of some kind, and he's a couple of miles back on the trail. And they said, what? You left Harry laying there and carried the deer back? Well, said the hunter, I figured no one was going to steal Harry. So (laughs) he had... He had the wrong priorities. And sometimes we leave people behind. Sometimes we leave God behind because we would rather have the prize that we're toting. Don't be guilty of placing a higher priority on what you can get over people. Let me say that one more time. Don't place a higher priority over what you can get over people, over your family over your friends and your church, and most importantly, God. You see, it's easy to lose focus with what's important, isn't it? In life, you're spending all of your energy trying to live that life. Your presence here today proves that there is some aspect of your life that is seeking to place God in that focus. And so I pray there is some type of desire that God will give you to live a God-focused life, because that is a lesson Jesus is teaching us today in this parable. Let's read verses 13 through 21. This is the parable of the rich young fool. And it says, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friends who made a judge over you to decide such things as that. And then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, let me pause just for a second there before we keep reading. The rabbi that was talking to Jesus, he, they were expected back in those days, if you had a family dispute, if you had an inheritance dispute, you would take it to the rabbi. And they were expected to solve the problems and legal issues. But Jesus did not want to get involved with this. Because he knew that there was no answer that he could give that would solve the real problem. There was greed and covetousness. Greed and covetousness. As a pastor, unfortunately, I have seen families at their best. And I have seen families at their worst. I have seen some families that you would think heaven spit them right out. And then I've seen others when their loved one dies, they are fighting for whatever they want before the body even gets cold. Like many today, they want Jesus to serve them and not save them. And Jesus told this parable for those who had a greedy and covetous heart. It says in verse 16, Then he told a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have any room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough 
to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Boy, if there was ever a saying that typified what the motto of the world is today would be that. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Verse 21, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. The rich man's focus in this parable is primarily on who? Himself. And the rich man is never content with what he has. He's wanting to build bigger barns and bigger silos. He had no regard for his family. He was just trying to get what he wanted. And the rich man bases his security on what he has accomplished and owns. The rich man wanted to take it easy after the harvest and just enjoy his life. Did you know that archaeologists have actually uncovered barns and silos from that day that were erected just so people could sit back and harvest and stay back and enjoy? Wealthy landowners often lived in cities or in estates while their tenant farmers worked their fingers to the bone to keep them stocked. So my question is, what turns a rich man into a fool? What turns a rich man into the fool? Death. I got a better one for you. What is your whole life going to be evaluated by? Not on how you live, but in after you die. There are some funerals that I will preach that I could just get up and say amen because of the way they live their lives. And then there are some that breaks my heart to preach because I know where they're at. Death is the final measurement, is it not? A fool has a world, this perspective can end in any moment while eternity will last forever. Look, you may look at me today and think that I'm a fool and I'm okay with that because I'm really not all that smart. But you know what? When I die, the things that I've accumulated that are of eternal value, they go with me. My house, my car, my favorite things, all of those things, y'all can fight over them. You can ask Donna for them and she'll give them to you. That's fine. I don't need them. But those opportunities that God has given me to reach out to others and to share Christ with others and to preach His Word. And now I know you say, well, yeah, you're a preacher. It's for everybody. You're not going to take this stuff with you. No matter how much you collect on this earth, you cannot take it with you. Reminds me of the bumper sticker. He who dies with the most toys wins. What do you win? (laughs) I'm telling you, it was very humbling for me after my parents died, after I got over the shock of it, and I went and I would be standing in their house and I'm looking around. What am I going to do with all of this stuff? Somebody's going to do that for you one day, too. And parents, listen to this. Be careful. If you have a world-first mindset, if your whole thing is about what you can give to your kids because you don't want them to suffer like you had to suffer, 
and they put in no effort and you want to be a worldly person that has, you know, you're always concerned about the label on your backside or you're concerned about what kind of purse or wallet you have or what kind of car you drive and you're very worldly. That's okay. Enjoy it while you can because you won't take it with you. But parents, check this out. If you have a worldly mindset, you are setting up your children to have the same mindset so that when you die, they will be the ones fighting over your stuff. Some would say the tragedy of this man's death and this parable is what he left behind or unfinished. But the true tragedy for this man is what lies before him. He prepared for his life on earth, but not his life for eternity, which is separation from God. And again, Jesus defines foolishness in verse 21. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Folks, Jesus is making it crystal clear here. If you had any doubt, he's making it crystal clear that a fulfilled life does not come from an abundance of things or success or security, only from a relationship with Jesus. And don't get me wrong, it's it's not wrong to be successful. It's not wrong to have security, but ultimately our security is in Christ. And you say, hey, well, wait a minute, preacher. I'm not rich by a long shot. Let me put it into perspective for you. I got a friend of mine that somehow he came into contact with a pickup truck full of Beanie Babies. You remember Beanie Babies, don't you? Oh, yeah. How many of y'all collected Beanie Babies? I, I am not shocked. And there's some that aren't raising their hands. And some of you guys, I ain't going to do it. But the truth is, this, this friend of mine had a pickup truck full of Beanie Babies. And so instead of trying to hock them on eBay or, or Craigslist or try to get what he could out of them, he gave them to a man that took them over to, um, I think it was Honduras, for a mission trip. And that missionary sent back video on Facebook and showed these kids and adults in these this foreign country that have nothing, that don't even speak our language. They were clinging to those beanie babies like they were life. Some kids had never had a real toy and they were like, beanie babies. What was sitting in one person's trash pile is another person's treasure. So you think you're not rich, but you got more than you think. You got more than some other people have. So what did Jesus mean by having a rich relationship with God? Let me show you this. Here's our picture again, but the difference is we don't balance it on ourselves. We don't balance worldly things and eternal things on ourselves, but we balance it on God. What do you need for your life? I don't know, if you're praying about something, getting something or a job or, or how much money you're going to need or your priorities and you need to, to reset those, this is how it works. This is a sifter, just like some of you that bake. You know, you have to sift the flour and you put it in this thing and let the clumps just kind of disappear. You put it through here and you sift out your wants and whatever comes out on the other end. That's what you need to go for. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. And I guarantee you, if you balance the scales on God instead of your own selfishness, they'll be more in line with what God wants for your life. Being rich toward God means acknowledging that everything that we have comes from Him. Now, this does not mean that we don't have a work ethic. 
We can see that clearly when Jesus teaches in the parables of the talents and the servants. And it's not a sin to have money, but it's the love of money. You've probably seen this verse before in 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love, not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. There are people that don't have a dime to their name because they love money more than anything else in the world. They're terrible at managing it. They're terrible at spending it, but their God is their money. So don't think that if you don't have money, you're not, you're not, this is not hitting you. It's the love of money. Don't let your pursuit of having a comfortable life cause you to worship your money and the things that afford you. God can use your wealth however much that is, for his glory. So as I begin to wrap up, I just want to say that when you realize everything that you have is God's, it keeps you from claiming ownership over it or coveting what somebody else has. I mean, think about it. If you were to say, okay, God, I heard the preacher this morning, you've worked in my life, and I'm going to take this attitude that whatever I have is yours. That sounds good. We can have an altar call. You can come and you can pray for it and and we'll have a good old high five and we'll slap each other on the back and, and go out and then you have to make it happen. If everything that you have is God's, you will be willing to let it go if God asks you to let it go. And if everything you have is God's, you'll be willing to invest in it, even if it doesn't seem worth the time. But I'm telling you what. There is a peace that you can only understand when you have it, when you realize that everything in your life belongs to God and the ownership is yours. Whether it be a loved one, whether it be your material possessions, your house, your job, whatever it may be, there is a peace that comes with that. You see, the market may collapse tomorrow. The world finances may tank. Worse yet, you may come to the end of your life. But do not let your pursuit of the things that sidetrack you from God be the things that define you. Because in the end, you will have nothing. I'll put it to you this way. If it will burn, break, rust, or fade away. If it will burn, break, rust, or fade away, it's not worth investing your whole life in. So be sure of this. Though our earthly value can be unsure, some of we might be worth more today than we were yesterday. I remember being younger and being single. And I had my job. I had my checking account. And boy, I thought I had some money. Any, any of you guys know what I'm about to say? Then you get married. You don't have money after you get married. And then when you have children, you certainly don't have any money. You're digging out the hole from that, I know. But you know what? Your worth is not found in the balance of your checkbook. Your worth isn't found in how many things you have in your garage. Some people, they fill the garage. They need to get another garage. Right now, I'm paying for storage for my parents' things every month because I just don't know what to do with all the stuff. But you can be sure of this. Our eternal value is set for believers. Number one, you know God through believing in Jesus. If you are a believer. If you are a believer, you please God by loving Him. And we love Him 
by obeying him. If your child says, I love you, mommy, and you tell them to go clean the room, and they just look at you and say, I love you, mommy. No, I mean clean your room. I love you, mommy. It's going to get old real quick, isn't it? Words are not enough. We have to obey. God provides for those who love him. And then what you give to God never loses value. Remember that. If you are here today and you are discontent, if you're worried about the future, you're worried about your finances, this may be the day that sets you free. Give it to the Lord and watch him work. Because the, the, all, the all-encompassing, I guess, bullet point here is, is that if you put yourself above God, you're going to wreck yourself. We put God first in everything, in our money, in our calendars. And then he will make everything else organized. But it's not like, you know, I'm not going to tell you, look, the preacher said that I'm going to give myself to the Lord. So, God, you you can have everything. And that's not all it takes. It's priorities. It's setting priorities. And my prayer for you is that God would show you what that is. So maybe you need to give him the priority of being your savior today. Maybe you need to give your life to him. Maybe you need to have a spirit of coveting that you have for other people's things and you need to get forgiven of that. Maybe you just need to acknowledge today that everything you have is God's. It's no surprise that Jesus moves on to the next topic of discussion, which is worry in this passage. Don't worry today. God has got you. He's got you in the palm of his hands. And there is nothing as a believer that can touch you that God does not allow. Trust him and he will prove himself faithful every time. If you don't believe me, just look at the life of Jesus and what he did for you. You are valuable to him. So valuable that he gave his son. And I know that many of you have been in church and you've heard that phrase over and over again. But that sacrifice means that if he will save your life, he will save you even from yourself. But it takes you yielding to him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for showing us through the parable of the rich young fool that what we have today is not what defines us, but it's about what we have in you that will define us for an eternity. Lord, our stuff does not go with us. Only what you have done in our lives, only the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us and washes us from our sins. So, Lord, it is my prayer as we close today, if there's one person here that has identified with this passage and identified with this verse, and they want to know that they are a believer today so they can give everything, including their lives, most of all, to you, that, Lord, they would do that today before they leave. All they got to do is walk down front, I'll pray with them, and we will encourage them and show them how, Lord, the plans you have for your life. Maybe they want to join this church. Maybe someone wants to get baptized. Whatever their decision may be, Lord, this is the time of invitation. May you get the glory. For in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?